0: Today's topic, we are we're jacked about. Um, so, no matter how your company structure, no matter when your fiscal year is, you know, I think some of us have fiscal years that are ending like tomorrow. Some of us have fiscal years that are ending at the end of December, um, and that's the reason that we had this conversation. Right, Q four is happening in like T minus uh, two days, so uh, that means as us marketers, we have to start getting ready for marketing plans and getting us ready to move into 2023, 2023 with a head full of steam, uh, going after our goals. And so today, me and Mary want to talk about building out that marketing plan that is going to help you get to results and get the results quickly and efficiently and repeatable uh, so that you can continue to build onto that going into 2024. So before we jump into getting you the outline of the plan, me and Mary just wanted to kind of talk about what the marketing plan is and how do we define it. So Mary, let's talk about Strategy and the initial outlay of the plan. So before we start getting into the tactics and all that good stuff, we have to have an overarching strategy to build that plan off of. So what do you think about strategy, Mary?
1: Yeah. So this was like a good one. I have been attending industrial marketing live like way before I even started working for Gorilla. I attended it when I was an in-house marketer. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember Matt Chanela, he would always like talk about strategy and how everything you do should be tied to it. And I was like, I don't have a strategy. I don't have business goals. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to do stuff as a marketer in my you know little tiny space. So strategy was kind of difficult for me to like initially wrap my head around. Um, But now I kind of see it, especially for you guys as in-house marketers, like as twofold. So number one, your strategy is going to be how can I get my company to take marketing more seriously, right? How can I get them bought into my ideas? How can I grow my own career and then get marketing taken more seriously in my company as a whole? So I think that's number one is how can I get more marketing to be taken more seriously? And then number two is going to be, they're like real nitty gritty marketing strategy of tying a plan to business results. Mm-hmm. So Brendan and I had very different experiences when it came to marketing strategy in-house. Mine was a lot more on the personal side. So what can I do to help my company see marketing in a different way? And Brendan's was like, he got to actually tie things to business results. I think Erin was a little closer to um, my experience too, where she could do a lot of stuff on her own, but couldn't really tie it to like the greater business strategy. So Brendan, I would love to hear um, your perspective from that too.
0: Yeah. So I would say where a lot of my thoughts on strategy come from is actually from my experience in the military. So when you're creating a military plan or a military strategy, you have to start with two things. And the first is to understand where you're currently at, where are you at in the environment? What do you have for resources, right? So as a marketer, Who's on your team? Is it just you? Do you have one or two people? Uh, what's your budget? How much money are you going to be able to spend going into the next year? What you think you can spend? Right, I think in the marketing plan there's a place for you to ask for more budget, but you know what your current budget is. You know what agency relationships you have. What other third party relationships do you have? Do you have a videographer on, uh, on call, a photographer on call? Uh, you know, web development team that helps you out. Uh, is there other people within your company that can support marketing, right? Other marketing divisions in your company, if you're large, or is there an engineering department or a manufacturing person that you can use as an SME uh, in your content? Uh, what software do you have? Do you have Adobe suite? Uh, do you have HubSpot? Uh, are you running on WordPress, right? Lay out all the things that you have as an asset. So, you know, where you're starting. And then like what Mary said, the other part of a strategy is understand where you want to go. What's your end state, right? What's your mission? So that is going to be your business goal, which you're probably going to get from a leader, right? So go and sit down with your leadership and ask, what is the goal for 2023? What is, are we trying to do as a company? Probably going to be something like, you know, grow revenue by 10% or we're going to hit this revenue number or we want to be uh, at a profitability uh, percentage of X. And then from there, you can say, OK, so based on that revenue number to do that. And because I have a CRM, I could say, this is how many revenue opportunities we need to create as a company for us to hit that revenue goal. And then you could say, well, based on those, how many opportunities we need to hit, well, this is how many real high intent form fills I need to get to get to that revenue number. So figuring out where you're at in the beginning, where you wanna go at the end, and then we're gonna talk about this, uh, but figuring out what your focus is, right? A lot of us don't have the budgets to support comprehensive marketing plans for every single product or every single line or service that we offer. So you're going to have to make some strategic decisions and use your noggin and think which product lines are going to be the most apt for us to have growth. Um, and it might not be your most revenue producing product line. Maybe that thing is so cemented in the marketplace where you don't have to talk about it anymore because your distributors or your sales team really knows how to do it. It's in. It's already in everybody's plant. So now you're just selling parts. But maybe you have a new product line that's coming out and that's where you can see a lot of growth coming to get you to that revenue goal. Um, So just figure out and use your noggin and figure out what is going to be the most likely avenue for me to make more money. Uh, Mary, anything on that?
1: Yeah, that was you nailed it. That was great. Um, So yeah, again, what we want to do is just lay out a really nice tactical framework for how to plan for marketing in 2023. Right. So, so
0: that's what the marketing plan is, right? It's yeah. where that strategy and those tactics, they collide. Right. And it's going to be something in like a six to 12 month plan. And what we like to say here is like, you got to figure out what you're going to keep in your plan, what you're going to throw away. And then at the beginning, remember, nobody gives a toot about your SWOT analysis. Okay. Throw that stuff that you learned in college out the window because your boss doesn't care. Right. We, what we're talking about with environment is where you're starting from. And now we have to figure out and put the pedal to the metal and give us the right tactics that lead that feed into that strategy that we just talked about. So, step one, we have to know our business. So, Mary, let's talk about that.
1: Heck yeah. So, um, knowing the business again, my perspective is going to be much different from Brendan's. I worked for a private company, Brendan was a public company, so his Business, his marketing strategy was tied to like real business results. Mine was not. So, my knowing the business involved a lot of just getting to know my product line. So, that's a good place to start if you don't already know it. And what I mean by knowing your product line is knowing. So, like, we had hundreds of products in our product line. So, mine was more, we separated our business out into segments, so industrial segments. Oil and gas, steel, paper and pulp, all that good stuff. So mine was more learning each segment one at a time. And we had business managers for each of those segments. So my initial plan for the first three to four months when I was really like, I need people to start seeing marketing more seriously was getting interviews with each of those business slash product managers. And that's what I did. And the really cool thing there is when you go in with, Hey, I'm just going to listen to these guys. I just want to learn more about what products they're promoting over the next one to five years, because they do have product roadmaps. If they're you know, a decent product manager, they'll have product roadmaps for the next five years. So a lot of mine was learning which products they're promoting over the next one to five years, why they're promoting those products, what do they do, who are they building those products for? Is this for technicians? Is this more like VP of ops? Is this um, maintenance engineers? So getting to know the customer segments which within each of those products. So a lot of, if you can't, like I said with Brendan, if you can't do a business strategy tied to business results yet, then a lot of your initial plan should just be learning more about your business. So building that business roadmap. I want to learn more about what my company does and who they do it for.
0: Try to do in customer insights before you get to the marketing plan. You know, I, In an ideal situation you are generating customer insights continuously. I know like we're on earth, right? So it's not the ideal world and insights are difficult to get. Um, if you have them going into the marketing plan, it's going to help you have a better understanding of how to build out the strategy and the plan. Um, but the way that we build roadmaps here at Gorilla and marketing plans at Gorilla, like we don't have insights go building into a, into a marketing plan. So we build that into our first part of the plan is generating insights to feed the rest of the plan. Um so what we just want to say here is it's okay not to have an ideal setup. It's okay not to build the perfect deck, right? Like we want to get the right information on there and just we just want to build in a smart way. And so it's okay. Yeah. No one's grading you, right? There's no professor sitting over you saying that that was not a good marketing plan, right? The only thing that matters is are you going to meet your revenue goal at the end of the year. And if you don't have the ideal setup, this is probably the first marketing real marketing plan that your company's ever really built, right? So there's no really framework on how to actually do it. So do your best and get out there. And like, it doesn't have to be, like I said, the perfect PDF for PowerPoint. God, it could just be a word document and just lay out like, here's what we want to do this year. Um, so all of, Mary, all of
1: my marketing plans were word documents.
0: Yeah, Best file format in the world.
1: Heck yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so should we, uh, should we start talking about the actual outline of the plan, Mary? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what is the first thing that we need to talk about in the plan?
1: Oh, I would also like to highlight that normally in the prep calls that we have before these, we're all like, yeah, 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 totally. 100%. This was the first call where we had some debate. So we're going to bring those to the forefront when they come out where the gorilla team actually did not agree on a few things. So very important to know. Um, Number one, my thing was focus. So for 2023, we're all industrial marketers. We don't have $50 million marketing budgets. So the first thing we're going to do is focus on a single product, service, or audience segment. So this will depend a lot on your business. So like I said, when I was in-house, hundreds and hundreds of products. So my first thing was to focus on one product within each of those um, six product segments that we had. So I talked about the business managers and segments. Each of those managers got to pick one product to promote for 2023. So that's where I would start is number one, focus on a single product, service, or audience segment. Yeah. Erin, what do you... Erin immediately was like, yeah, that's not happening.
2: (laughs) Yeah, when we were planning this out, I was like, that's awesome. I wish I could have done that. Um, But sometimes like in industrial companies, especially like there are probably sometimes like upwards of 12 markets that you could go after or you have, like Mary said, like hundreds of product lines. And when you say like, oh, I just want to focus on one or two, you might get a lot of like, well, what about this market? Or what about this market? Like we can't stop speaking to them. Um, But when you're putting together a marketing plan, like we're talking about today, you're speaking to them in a really meaningful way that you probably haven't been before. Um, So there's some ways like to, I won't say like get around it, but to still have focus while showing, um, having like marketing touch points in other segments. So it doesn't have to be a complete go-to-market strategy for every single segment that you serve. That would be insane. You'd need like a team of 10 marketers, but you can do things like create new brochures or social media posts or email sequences that show that you're still like, paying attention to that audience, you haven't forgotten about them, but you have this focus strategy that's going to move results for the segment that you need to focus on. Yeah, that's
1: such a great point, Aaron. I loved that. And I think a really important thing in there is from what we found, so we were we've worked with like 30 industrial companies over the past 18 months on a plan very similar to the one we're going to lay out for you guys. If you expect to grow... I would say like more than eight to fifteen percent in a single segment. You need two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per segment. So go back to your leader and say, you know, Gorilla Sony Six. I'll give you the data if you need it. Said, hey, if you want to build awareness and you actually want to grow an audience segment by a significant percentage, you need minimum two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do proper positioning research, message building. Um, how you're going to attack that audience, the content you're going to build and how you're going to distribute it and then get the right software in place to analyze and iterate on the process that you have.
0: Yep. And then I would just say in terms of building the marketing plan out for more than one segment, you're going to have to probably build more than one marketing plan, right? Like it, it might be one large marketing plan with a bunch of different like, you know, tree segments that like we'll talk about, but you're basically building multiple marketing plans because I think one marketing plan can support one market, one segment at a time. Right. Like it's gonna be really difficult for you to say, like, we're gonna target operations people, engineer people, and maintenance people with the same plan. And then we're gonna target all those three job functions in six different industries. That's impossible. Like I, I don't see how you can have the right the messaging and content and the distribution distribution plan to get to all of those in the same marketing plan. So let's talk down. So once we focus, we wanna move down into building out like our strategy and messaging, um, or our messaging and content strategy. So this is where me and Mary had disagreements, right? Um, so we kind of talked about putting you know, customer research in here, positioning in here, and maybe some sort of like go-to-market narrative within this area to help us build out our messaging. I said that we could probably go and do positioning first, and then build out a hypothesis and then interview customers later to verify that our thinking was right. Mary, you didn't think that was true, right?
1: I did not. So my um second point was customer research. So I thought you should do customer research before you built any of your positioning or content strategy foundation. Um, I had a couple of reasons for this, although Brendan's points are extremely valid. It's just that most industrial marketers are not talking to their customers. I would say. Nine out of 10 are not talking to actual real customers in the segment where they want to grow. So I think getting 10 interviews with current customers is going to be so much more enlightening than trying to fight for your SMEs' time or your business manager's time to attempt to create some kind of content strategy or positioning statement when you could just do it on your own within 30 days and get and talk to 10 customers.
0: I think the one thing we can agree on here, though, is that you need to do all three of those things in this section, right? Like we need to talk to customers. We need to develop some sort of positioning to make sure we're on the same page with everyone. And then we have to build out a cohesive content strategy. And they all three work together and they all three are required foundational pieces to move into the rest of your marketing plan. So the order is up to you if you agree with me or Mary, um, but then all three just have to get done.
1: Beth, such a great question. I want to hit on this now because I don't want to underestimate how important or overestimate how important this is. Um, so Beth says, Mary, what questions should you be asking customers? So if you have current customers now, um, the questions you should be asking are, how do you use my product? So how do you use it? What is? What are some um, benefits you've seen from it? What's the worst thing? So you want to see like worst case scenario, best case scenario. Of how your product fits in their day-to-day. Um, and then number four, because you want to keep these short, you don't want to like waste anyone's time, is how do you like to consume information and what channels do you spend your time on? If they don't know what channels they spend their time on, have them do this on the call. Tell them to open up their iPhone right now, go into the settings tab. And if you go into screen time, like have them do this right in front of you. If you go to screen time in the settings tab on your iPhone, you can see exactly what apps they're spending the most time on. So make them tell you what are the top three apps in that social media or um, you know content information perspective where they're spending the most time. Mm-hmm.
0: I would also throw in here, um, what other alternatives did you consider before purchasing for my company? Or if they were a loss, you know, what other alternatives did you pick before you picked the alternative?
1: Yeah. Uh, What were you doing? What were you doing before you decided to purchase from us? Like, yeah.
0: Mary, I think we're gonna do the whole episode on customer research in 23.
1: I'm so passionate about it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. We got to do it. All right.
1: All right. So we have... I think this is important too. Um, If you are breaking into a new segment, so you don't have current customers or you don't have 10 customers that you can talk to, um, get a LinkedIn sales navigator license for a month. It's super cheap. It's like 80 bucks. Um expensive to your company if you can. And just start picking out ICPs. You can filter by categories on LinkedIn. And I think you get like 50 free in mails per month. Um, send out 50 requests. Just say, Hi, I'm a new marketer for my company. We're looking to explore. I'm going to use steel as an example. We're looking, I'm just learning looking to learn more about the steel industry, would you be willing to talk to me for 15 to 20 minutes? This is not a sales call. I'm just looking to learn. That's that's all you have to do. Send it out to 50 people with that ICP in that industrial segment. I It works. Like People will respond back. And in there, your questions are going to be a little bit different. It's what do you do? What is the best day in your job look like? What's the worst day in your job look like? And how do you use either the product that you have or an alternative to that product. Beautiful. All right, Brendan, let's talk about positioning. What do you do? How do you position a product or service?
0: So college, you learn how to do positioning statements. It's not useful at all. It doesn't help you. Um, It's too, it's, the, the framework is there, but it's just too limiting, right? Like if you fill in like, you know, the blank, like we are this type of company that builds this kind of thing for these types of peoples and these types of industries, you're just not getting all the, uh, not getting all the information. So we've kind of started to transition into creating what we're calling a positioning one-sheeter. And these are the things that there's, these are the components that are on it is here's who our ideal buyer is and the characteristics of that buyer. And Some of the things I would include here are the job titles that they're in, the industries that they're in, um, other products or services that they use, right? So, um, you know, these are the types of CNC machines that they use. These are the types of 3D printers or injection molding systems that they use. These are the ERP systems they use. Um, You know, so things like that, um, where they're based geographically. Um, So, all those things that are going to help us as marketers get really good targeting in, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook and paid social. So we're going to ask those questions about who the person is. Then we want to know what alternatives do they consider, right? So what are our competitive alternatives? And I'm okay with an answer being something like uh, they don't do anything or they do it manually. Um, And then, you know, there's probably a couple, two or three other companies that they are using uh with a similar type of solution that you have so figure out like what are your actual competitive alternatives then once you know those alternatives you can go out and you can create what your unique differentiators are so these are the thing like these are the three to five things that our company does that the alternatives do not that make us stand out as being very unique do not for the love of god do not put quality or customer service because everyone says that and that is not an actual differentiator Caveat, you can say that if you actually have an actual benefit that backs that up, like, I don't even know what an example would be, but maybe it's like, we triple check quality test all of our products. So our quality is super high, or maybe like quality is, you know, your competition doesn't care about quality at all. And so you can say, yeah, here's quality, or like, we, like, we have like artisanal steel rods that go into our product. Right. So, um, it's, it's, so time I mean,
1: time to response rate is so good. So if you can if you can say response in less than twelve hours, like those are huge.
0: yeah. yeah. so like one of my clients says they 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 respond to emails within like seven minutes. So yeah, that is a differentiator. So you have to have something to back that claim up. Um, so you'd have who your customer is, alternatives that they use, the things that make you different. This next one is more complicated. So it's mapping out the values that your features have. So, You have a feature, it has a benefit. So here we do the X thing or we have X thing. It does this for a person, but then the value is, this is what value this benefit brings to somebody, right? And try to put in some sort of like dollar or quantitative number, right? So our product saves customers $50,000 a year or it reduces time, you know, 50%. So figure out what that value is. And then the next thing to talk about is what market that you're in. You know, are you in automotive parts? Are you in... um, plastic injection molding, you know, figure out what market you're in and if there's any submarkets that are part of that, like we are in plastic injection molding for consumer products. So narrow yourself down into how customers would classify you and that there's context that this is, you know, if you say you're in plastic injection molding, you actually inject plastic, right? So then the last thing is an optional thing is what trends can you play into, right? Is there Um, like energy efficiency trend that you can play into? Is there a labor thing that you can play into? Is there a supply chain issue you can play into? Industry 4.0 or robotics or autonomy? So is there any trend that you can layer on top of your positioning to give it some additional flavor? Do not do this if it is going to confuse people, right? You have to have an actual direct linkage to that trend uh, for it to make sense. So that's what I do for positioning, just a really quick one-sheeter and list out all the different things. Um, It's a little more comprehensive than a statement, Um, And so I think it's gonna help you build out your content and your narrative uh, a lot easier than just doing a a regular paragraph. Positioning, I could talk about positioning all day. So Mary likes customer research, I like positioning. So cool. All right, Mary, we've built out, I guess one thing we also talk about is a narrative too, right? So at Gorilla, we like story brand and we like who we help and how. So we think those are really good frameworks to build out, you know, from positioning, because I, I don't think you can build a marketing plan off of positioning. It, it sets you in the right direction, but that doesn't give you the language to talk about yourself. So going this step further and then building off positioning into narrative with story brand or who we help and how, or some more, some other sort of go to market narrative. I don't know of any other ones that are out there. I know that there are some, um, but I don't know them off the top of my head, but I would build out that thing. And you, have, you basically end up with a two page thing that says, it lists out some language that you can use to build out your messaging. Mary, do you have anything else to say about that?
1: No, I think you're nailing it. Um,
0: Just get the uh, book time... and follow what the book says. That's what I would do. Yeah.
1: And then timeline. Um, I like to work in sprints. So if you can do 30 days of customer research, so that's your sprint. You're going to focus only on customer research. You're going to get as many customer insights as you possibly can. And then you'll do 30-day sprint of positioning. Positioning is a weird one because 30 days sounds like a lot to just create some basic positioning, but you're going to need to get buy-in from those product managers, from your engineers. So that's that's a tricky one. So if you can do it in a 30-day sprint... So you got 60 days so far. So there's your first two months of 2023. All right. Now hit it, Brendan. What's, what's next?
0: So next is building out the actual content strategy, right? So I think one thing we need to keep in mind before... Maybe we need to, this is another thing I think we disagreed on was what order do we build this in? Because the content that we're going to create is what we use to fuel our distribution strategy, right? So to me, it kind of made sense to talk distribution before we talked like the content to fuel that. So Mary, what were your thoughts on that order of how to layer things in?
1: As far as like types of content?
0: No, like, do you think we do distribution first, or do we do talk about content first? Because I know like we're like we oh, we're yeah. talking in the in the meet in the pre meeting that we want to build the marketing plan chronologically and how we'd actually do it in the in, you know within 2023. But the content that we build is based on the distribution plan that we have, right? Yeah. Like if we're doing only events, like I'm probably not going to write any articles. Yep. Right. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think you. That's perfect. You're how you will put that content out into the world should inform the types of content you create. So, content and distribution should go hand in hand. But you'll obviously have to create content before you yeah. distribute it. So, I think so. what we
0: what we landed on was, in the order of the document, right? In our Word doc or our PowerPoint, we put content first. But like, you got to build the distribution plan. I think first before you build out the content. So, so Mary, with content. What are the things that we're looking for here? like how how are you building out like how many pieces do I need? What types of pieces do I need? Uh, so what is your thought process on that?
1: Yep. So again, customer research should definitely inform the kinds of content that you create. But I will say that right now what's winning are live events. if you can do something like this, if you can build some kind of episodic webinar content or live event content, Um, Video, so small video chunks, product demos, um, walkthroughs, how-to guides. And then um, text is still amazing. Text is still consumed. It's great. Um, We see a lot of success there still, especially if it's like a customer case study or original research.
0: Yeah. So... I don't know if I'm very tied to the medium of the piece, right? If it's written or video or audio, but these are the things I think most marketing plans should include. I think you need to have some sort of way to build trust or you build social proof, right? So those are going to be things like case studies, testimonials, uh, third-party reviews, things of that nature. So you have like, a, like some trust content. Then I think you need to build out some expertise content, right? So it's going to be long form articles. It's going to be uh, like to, for us, this is our expertise piece, right? Is IML, it gives it lets us build out um, our expertise in marketing, right? So like your episodic uh, thing where you bring your SME on, um, webinars, um, you know, all those types of things that you can use to talk about the industry without talking about yourself, right? So I think those are two main pieces of content that you're going to need. And then the types of content is going to depend on the distribution strategy. Anything else to say on content, Mary? We've talked about content a lot in 2022.
1: Yeah, I think we have a couple episodes that we can throw links in here too yeah. if you guys want to review those.
0: And I don't think that like, you don't have to lay out, here's the titles of the things we're going to make yet. Because I think, you know, a year's a long time. And like, we don't build out a yearly plan for IML on the topics, right? We we usually build it out maybe a month or 60 days. Um, so we're able to flex and move as the situation and the business world changes. But I would say, if you know, here's what my content distribution plan is, right? If I'm running paid social, you can build out a formula to say, well, this is how many content pieces I need to fuel that, right? So I think what we typically run into is somewhere between six and 10 content pieces for a, a nine month marketing plan. So maybe you're looking at maybe a, a piece a month for a, for a full plan for a year. Is that fair, Mary?
1: Heck Yeah. And John brought up a really good point in the chat, repurposing your content. Um, This doesn't all have to be from scratch. If you have great content already, it might just need to be, might be a blog post that needs to be updated. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be a video that actually needs to be put out into the world or need to get chunked up or it needs captions added to it. So like John said, take a quick audit of the content you have that you think is helpful and would be useful for distribution on digital channels.
2: Yeah. All
0: right. You just said digital channels. That was our magic word. So now we're going to talk about distribution. <laughs> Perfect. So, so the first thing we want to say, like, you know, at Gorilla, we talk a lot about digital distribution, right? Through paid social or through, you know, organic distribution on Google on your website, but your distribution plan is not limited to the internet, right? There's a lot of different ways that you can put out information, right? So um, obviously like we're going to talk, we talk paid social a lot. So you have paid social, we have organic social, organic search via paid search, um, email, then you can move into things like print ads or mailing or, you know, trade shows as a distribution strategy webinars. Um, I'm missing so many of them outbound, like outbound calling with your SDRs. Um, like, Every single way you can get information to your audience is a distribution method, right? So it's in-person, online, events, all that. Right, Mary? Anything else on that?
1: Yep. Perfect. Love it. So
0: this is is a place to be comprehensive in this and not just focus on paid social.
1: Yep. How are you distributing your message to your target audience?
0: Yeah. And like the same thing that Mary said, when you're doing customer research, ask your customers where they spend time. Both online and offline. Cause the offline piece might be important for you too if you're running trade shows or events. Um, or you're doing some sort of like maybe like a, a workshop day, right? Where you bring people in. So yeah, yep. I would figure yeah.
1: Okay. So now's a big one I'm sure you guys all wanted to hear about is how do you audit your current content distribution strategy and This is going to get a little technical and you'll need to have some kind of data from either a CRM or an ERP system. Um, But the easiest way to do this is to separate first all of your leads from 2022. So pull up a report that just pulls in every single lead you got from 2022. You're going to want their email address. That's their only unique identifier. You don't really need first name, last name if you don't want it. Um, So email address is going to be your unique identifier. Then you want to do lead source, especially if you guys track that, that's going to be really important. So that should be like trade show, um, web lead, outbound sales, however many distribution channels you guys use. Now you're going to track that to how many of those turned into an opportunity, what that opportunity value was, and whether or not they turned into a customer. So those metrics right there are going to tell you the success of your current lead sources. So this is really important when you want to get buy-in for going into a new channel. So I'm guessing paid social for you guys is going to be pretty new. It was when I was an in-house marketer. And this is how I was able to make the business case for it. So pulling in lead source to opportunity to customer rate.
0: Jared, do you want to come on live and and talk through your question?
3: Yeah, sure. we we've been milling around the idea of having kind of like a we don't even know what to call it like not really a customer appreciation but just kind of like a customer event to open up our facility to have people come um, since we're a distributor having multiple of mm-hmm. our vendors coming to to set up displays um, to kind of have like a, a full event but. I don't have as much experience in doing marketing for in-person events to try to get people to show up at a, Mm -hmm. you know, specific day and time. So just curious of any insider ideas you guys might have on that.
1: Yeah. Would it be paid or free?
3: Uh, It would be free for them to come. So we, yeah, so it it would be free for them, but also uh, we've had, had some ideas to try to have like uh, something to entice them to draw them in as well.
1: Heck yeah. Yeah. Like a raffle would be cool, but I think just even like what what value are they going to get from being in your facility? So why is it important for them to be there? So I think um, you might not need quite as much incentive as you need if the content there is going to be super valuable for them and for their job.
0: I mean, like Jared, it kind of sounds like you're putting on a trade show. So I would look at how trade shows market themselves and copy a little bit, right? Like you're bringing vendors in, right? So they're probably going to want to set a booth. And so are your vendors going to pay to come and like rent out a space?
3: No, I I mean, it wouldn't be anything massive. Um, A lot of our vendors have local reps um, and a uh have done stuff like this before where they'll set up shop with people Um, so it would would be something on a small scale and it would be for just one specific target audience of ours as well
0: so john you put a good one in on the on the chat having a speaker keynote was what was going to be my thing so like have like the booth area right where your vendors can set up and then have a separate speaker keynote area and line up a bunch of speakers and i would like especially for you like think about the great content you're going to get out of that, right? Where you can keep that event lasting a lot longer than just one day or, you know, two days or however long your, your deal is. So find, talk to your, like, talk to your customers and figure out like, what t- sort of things do you want to be, to talk about in this keynote s- uh, series and yeah, bring speakers on from your, and let your vendors speak, right? Like I think having a vendor speak directly to your audience about things that your audience cares about could be really impactful. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of probably how I would go about it. And then I would also let, let your let your customers know that your vendors are going to be setting up and that and then give your vendors space to set up demos, right? So your customers can come in and actually see products. Because I think a lot of times I, I don't know how big some of the stuff is that you sell, Jared, but you know, a lot of times with shows that I went to, like it was so powerful to get large pieces of equipment in there to demo. And so if you can have a place where they can do demonstrations, I think that would be really a good thing for your customers as well. And Aaron had a good point about uh, having a relationship building event afterwards. That's not business, right? It's just a you know cocktail hour or whatever uh, in your facility, maybe, or maybe you go to a a second site and get people away from thinking about work and like relaxing and building relationships. That 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 to me is the power of these online or these uh, you know in person events, trade shows and workshops and conferences. It's getting. To meet people, Joe said that coming out of IMTS, where he, you know, he hosted that uh, that talk for the Industrial Marketing Summit. He said it was, the best thing was building the relationships with people that I talk to online all the time.
1: Yeah, I would also, uh, Jared. We saw a lot of success with this on our like in person training events at my old job. Hire a freelance photographer. To take pictures of all the demos and then give it to your vendors for free. They loved that stuff because it's like, it's real pictures of real people using your actual products. They can put it out in their marketing platforms like anywhere. It's awesome.
0: And then right. uh, Claire, do you want to come on live and talk? You were talking about uh, some, some price things in the chat. And I think it'd be kind of cool for us to talk about that um, in terms of, I think it was about on the positioning side.
2: Sure.
1: So my situation is a little bit different, but I think it's still relatable to everyone. So when I ask our salespeople like, why didn't we get this job or this sale? It's always price. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what they're that's what they do. They're selling, right? And yeah. they don't may not be looking like further into why. So I think that's just the importance of you getting the opportunity to talk to the customer uh or the potential customer that figuring out, I'm sure it had something more to do with price. And it's just, it's important to get that like further feedback from them.
0: And the price thing is interesting too. I think what happens there is the customers either aren't experiencing enough of a pain point to get them to, to change to something that costs more, or the product and service wasn't differentiated enough where it garnered a larger price, right? So they didn't see the two options as being significantly different. And so if two things look the same, and they're gonna get the same thing they think. Well, they're obviously gonna go with a cheaper option. So when you sell a more premium offering, you have to put more work into talking about why they're gonna why they're gonna benefit off of that value. Right. So you have to for a premium product, it's extremely important to do positioning so you understand what makes you different and then why your customers care about that difference. And that's where you start you can start asking for more money. Once you start getting into the um, the commodity game, I would leave that company. <laughs> All right. So we talked about, is there anything else on distribution we need to talk about, Mary?
1: Brendan, where are you distributing in 2023?
0: Oh, I I love paid social. I think it's just a great way for us to to get information out into a feed where people already are. Like we've, we've proven out that people are on LinkedIn and Facebook. People are on Reddit. They're on Twitter. They're on YouTube. They're on TikTok now. Right. People hang out there all the time. Um, I don't even want to look at my screen time, Mary, because it's going to be gross. It's gonna say that I'm neglecting my kids because I'm looking at marketing stuff on LinkedIn. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's just a great way for you to put out content in the feed that's not disruptive, that you can add value to people. That like and and then it, I would say like the other thing I'd be interested in is doing some sort of in-person thing. Yeah. Right. Like and and either doing it through a trade show or doing it through your own event that you've put on and that you own everything um but building out personal relationships now especially after the two or three years that we've been in uh, not really having that um i think would be really important to to build out
1: yeah and i mean paid social is such an interesting one um because you can you can track real pipeline to it um we'll probably do kind of like a deep dive walkthrough on how we do that in 2023 like how we tie actual business results to paid social efforts um Personally, I am. I think I'm going all in on TikTok organic in 2023 from a personal branding slash guerrilla branding side. I think that's where it's at.
0: But even from here, let me, I'm going to pull TikTok up right now. I'm going to mute. Oh boy. But so I just posted yesterday and I was looking at hashtags and the manufacturing hashtag has like billions of views. Right. So if you're a manufacturing company and you're posting on TikTok and Kevin, you might want to jump in here too and do just a quick little like how to do TikTok in like a minute. Um, But your hashtag strategy, like if you put like people are going to see that, people are looking for manufacturing things on TikTok. So, Kevin, get in here.
4: Yeah. So, TikTok is transitioning to SEO, it is becoming much more searchable. Um, They're trying to compete with YouTube in that regard. So, you can post the same kind of content that you would post on like LinkedIn informational content, but make it in video format. And then Optimize it for SEO and keywords in the actual description, like the caption that you post, along with the hashtags that you use. And be really mindful of the hashtags. Like only use things that you want to show up for and be known for industrial marketing, manufacturing, whatever specific hashtags within your specific industry. And it's getting indexed for searches, not only within TikTok, but also Google. Mm. It's becoming much more of just like a, you know, a couple years ago, TikTok was more of a organic explosion. It was like post a dancing video and then get a million views within 24 hours. Now it is much more niching down, reaching people um, within their for you page that are already shown interest in those types of things um, before. And it's going to show up to them organically. You'll get great organic reach but it'll also be really, really focused as well.
1: If you guys are trying a new channel too, we'll post this in the Slack channel. So if you're not already in there, um, put something in the chat that says you wanna get in. Um, We have metrics that you guys can use to measure new organic channels. So just kind of like a timeline to results that you can expect. So for example, let's say, okay, Kevin's told me everything I need to hear. I wanna get into TikTok right now. Um, we have just some kind of like baseline metrics, like within 90 days, you should have 10 attributable high intent forms that come from somebody who say TikTok in the, how did you hear about us? And that's how, you know, this is a worthwhile investment to move to phase two. So we kind of have these stages. If you're trying new marketing programs, if you guys want to see something like that, I can post it in um, the Slack channel.
4: Nice. I'll also say too, if you want to, if you're interested or curious about TikTok and you just want to figure out what's happening in, in your niche, get on there and just search for things Mm -hmm. that you talk about. Get you, before you feel like you have to get on the platform and post, just get on there, consume information, learn the platform.
0: Um, Beth had a quick question on distribution too. What is the uh, how often, well, what is the magic number and how often frequent you should be distributing helpful content for your target market? Um, Beth, we're landing somewhere between three and seven times a month. It's kind of what we're seeing as a magic number. Less than that, I don't think you're getting enough attention and more than that, you're getting annoying. But so three to seven kind of seems like you're in a good spot.
1: Okay. And then can I add a follow-up question? Yeah. What's the like ideal number of times Oh, wait, maybe we already discussed this in the comments. So I apologize if we already did. But like, what's the magic number of times to like show a particular ad or reuse that piece of content without it being redundant? Great question. Um, so we have, we recycle between three to five unique messages. So we'll say it's like a case study, a blog post and a video. We'll say those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do one at a time because I'm sure you're limited by budget. Most people are. Um, If you are spending less than 10 K, I would just do one at a time. Wait until it hits three to seven. Like Brendan said, that usually takes anywhere from 30 to 60 days, launch the next one, then launch the next one, then just recycle because people, by that time, people haven't seen that original first message in like four or five months. So they don't even remember it. So that's what we do. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You bet.
0: All right. Um, We're coming up on time, Mary. Let's talk about analyze and iterate quick, our last section. So in your marketing plan, Mary, how are you accounting for your your analyzation and your iteration time?
1: Heck yeah. So um, like I said before, with a new marketing program, the analysis in the early stages is going to be high emphasis on qualitative feedback. So are the right people liking my social media posts? Are they commenting back? Are they engaging? And then within that 90 to 120-day window, are we actually seeing the ICPs who are targeting on-paid social coming to our website and filling out forms? Are they turning into real business results? If you're not seeing something like that within 120 days, something's wrong in the execution. And if you guys are trying this and you see this, hit us up and we'll help you out. Um, so that's what I'm looking for in the early stages, especially if I'm trying out a new marketing program. And by this point, if you're doing the process that we have, which is focus, customer research and positioning, content creation, and then distribution, you're probably not going to see this for what, Brendan, like six to nine months, depending on how yeah, fast probably. you can do it.
0: Yeah. You'll start seeing early indications, right? Um, but yeah, it's going to take some time for us to build out that authority and get... And, and Like we talk about, like it depends on how long your bicycle is too, right? If it takes people two years... To get, into it, like to get into a bicycle with you, uh, it's going to take some time for this marketing plan to work out. So um, I would just be cautious of that. And then I was, for my piece in this part of the plan, you want to give yourself your own metrics to be measured on. Otherwise, somebody else will. And then those won't align with the strategy that you're building this plan, right? So give yourself your own metrics to judge yourself on. And then always explain those metrics and keep re-explaining them so people don't give you other metrics that don't make sense. And that will say like, well, you're not bringing enough leads. So now this marketing plan doesn't make sense. Well, that's not what we're going after, right? We're going after revenue opportunities or whatever you said was your marketing goal. So that's the marketing plan. Those are our sections. So <clears throat> you have a narrative piece at the front to talk about your strategy. You have um, your opportunity. So here's where I'm focusing. This is the products and services that we're going to focus on this year. Um, we have a communications piece, right? So this is going to be your in your messaging piece. So your customer research positioning and your go-to-market narrative. And I'm not saying those things, you're just going to do those things, right? You're not going to build those things for the marketing plan that will come later. Um, and then we have your asset, your content strategy. So here are the things that we want to build out. And here's the content that we're going to build, which then supports our distribution plan that is going to be next. And then finally is our analyze and iterate stage. So here's how we are going to measure ourselves. So Mary, with that, before we get out of here, what is your one takeaway that you want people to get out of this?
1: Make sure you have measurements in place. So benchmarks for each of those stages, and you have the infrastructure in place to measure it. You guys have heard me harp on the CRM enough. If you don't have one, you need to get one. Um, You can pull stuff from your ERP, but if you don't have anything that's tracking leads to sales, your hands are tied. Yeah.
0: My one thing is... Mike Tyson said this, that no uh, no, uh, no plan survives the first punch. I think it was Mike Tyson. Somebody said that, not me, but you have a great plan and then you get punched in the face and then you got to change. So build some sort of flexibility into your plan so that you can pivot and move, right? Like I think a lot of us marketers had really nice marketing plans going into 2020 and then we all got punched in the face and everywhere else and things changed quickly. So um, be willing to be flexible. Don't tie yourselves into one plan for a whole year. Yeah, uh, yeah, Alan, good point. Yeah, the first contact with the enemy. I should know that one being in, from the military, but I missed it. So, all right. Um, Aaron, do you have any takeaways? I'll throw you in here quick.
2: Put me on the spot. That's right. Um, no, I think just like um, making sure you're tying it to strategy. That's what we started with. So I guess I'll like pull it back to that. Nice. It's really easy for a marketing plan to just become a like laundry list of tactics you want to do but make sure you're tying it back to that overarching business strategy so it gets like followed, it has common currency, all that good stuff.
0: Heck yeah. All right. Well, everyone, we have a Slack group. I think most people in the live chat right now are on Slack. So we appreciate all of you. We're glad that you're in here. We're going to continue this conversation. I think Mary promised she was going to post a bunch of things in there for you. So Slack (laughs) is going to be popping off this week. Um, For all of you listening Um, all of these marketers that are talking with us live today are on Slack. So get in there with us and start a conversation and make your marketing better and make yourselves better. So that's what we see the Slack group as. And then for everyone that doesn't know, we have a podcast too. Episode two just launched on Tuesday. Um, it's our second episode with, uh, with Jill Sullivan, uh, who is down here with, in the zoom with us too. Uh, so go and check that out. It's called the manufacturing marketer. It's on all your favorite podcast platforms. I've posted about it like a thousand times on LinkedIn. So you can find them like there. Um, and it's also, there's a link to it on uh, gorilla 76com So Mary, anything else that we need to close out with or are we, we good to go?
1: No, that's great. Um, as always, please, please, please reach out if you guys are experiencing issues with you know building a marketing plan, executing a marketing plan, more than happy to help with anything. Yeah. Q4
0: is gonna be crazy. We're here to help you get in Slack, ask the questions. All right, let's close this thing out. Everyone have a good rest of your week and weekend, and we'll see you in Q4. Love marketing plans.
2: That was a good one. No
1: no one gives a toot about your SWOT analysis.
0: No one does. The first marketing plan I built was in... High school. I was in a marketing club. Like, yeah. And I built it for <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> yeah. It was, That's
3: awesome.
0: it was really good. I'm sure. I'm sure I scored really high on Great it. practice. That's right. <laughs> All right, everyone.
1: Guys, I didn't even rag on trade shows like I could have. Oh, yeah. Are you proud of <laughs> me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're growing so much, Mary. thank you all right we have another meeting so i'm gonna fill my coffee up and meet you back here
1: all right sounds good
0: bye